1: This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio.
0: Are you about to see Walt? Who, me? Yeah, you? I'm just saying, you're doing it. Yes, <laughs> it's back. It is Unsportsmanlike on ESPN
2: Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, ESPN2, ESPNU, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80, and all of our great stations across the country last night, as anticipated, maybe the Giants hung in a little bit longer than we thought they would, but as anticipated, the Niners with a blowout victory over the Giants, 30-12 last night, 13 straight regular season wins for the Niners dating back to last year. Christian McCaffrey, 12 straight games in which he has scored a touchdown. Brock Purdy has not lost as a starting quarterback in the NFL in the regular season. Numerically, if you didn't see the game, 25-37, of 37, 310, two touchdowns. Seems awesome. If you saw the game... He wasn't great all the time, but the Giants didn't capitalize on him not being great. So his turnover margin is still in his favor, and he was definitely good enough, and he knows who he is. And that game last night lets you believe that the San Francisco 49ers are arguably the best team in the league. And the Giants, with all of the injuries and the way Daniel Jones is playing, their season's probably over already. Yeah, I know you don't want to admit it as a former Giant, but how do you look at that team, knowing their schedule coming up with Seattle, Miami, et cetera, how do you look at that team and think, oh, yeah, I saw some, some real life for winning, not being competitive, but winning?
0: You can't. That, when it boils down to it, you can't. I mean, they've got Seattle, Miami on the road, Buffalo on the road, and the Washington Commanders who are currently undefeated. So you can't feel good about the state of affairs with the Giants, and you don't know how long Andrew Thomas and Saquon Barkley are going to be out. Those are the two best players on the offensive side of the ball. They may be the best players on the entire team. Uh, No disrespect to Dexter Lawrence, who's also very, very good. But last night, I thought Wink Martindale had a good defensive game plan to utilize the blitz in order to pressure Brock Purdy and make him feel uncomfortable. But once Kyle Shanahan got a glimpse of what they were doing in the first half, you saw him have answers for his offense in the second half, and they've got a quarterback that can execute, get the ball to the playmakers, and those guys can get busy. Can we say enough about how good Christian McCaffrey has been this year? I mean, again, 119 yards from scrimmage last night. The guy is awesome, and Debo Samuel seems like he never gets tackled by the first defender that hits him. He just carries guys. Like there was one time he got hit at the minus 39. He ends up putting the ball on the plus plus side of the field. So I just – I don't understand how we can look at the Giants after they got tripled up on offensive yardage. They had 150 total yards of offense. The 49ers had 441. I don't know how we can look at such a one-sided loss – And then look at what we saw against the Dallas Cowboys and think to ourselves that the New York Giants are capable of putting together a season that's representative of the expectations that the fan base had for them coming into this year.
3: But those expectations were set based on them over over exceeding expectations last season. So they, I think, are a little bit misguided in the way that maybe Giants fans were projecting this season to be, but... It doesn't matter because they lost again. But they they have started out slow this season. And even though they were in a deficit at halftime, it was a little bit better. And I thought they showed a little bit of grit and toughness in the fact that they were shorthanded. They made it a game at least for... You know, I don't know, the first half. <laughs> yeah, it was the first half. It, but, it, was a, it
0: was a one possession ball game in the third quarter.
3: But that's what it's going to be, I think, for the Giants moving forward, is we're going to be looking at things like that as positives. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot to write home about about the New York Giants this if, season. If
2: you take out the second half against Arizona, they've been outscored this season in three games, yeah. 90 to 12.
3: Exactly.
0: Why, why do you have to throw out numbers like that, Ev? Why, why do you do that? Because men lie, women lie, but numbers don't Is my pain <laughs> your entertainment? It
2: depends on what we're talking okay, about. Okay, all right. In this specific case, yes. It is. It is. <laughs> I know. I know. going
0: to <laughs> I knew you like were going to say that. You don't love, I knew you you love that, that the
2: Pats are 0-2 to start the season? Give me a break. You, you love uh, it. Well,
0: misery loves company, Yeah, huh? That's why you're so smiling. So the
2: storyline <laughs> story from disgusting. this game I think it's way more about the Niners than it is the Giants, because unfortunately for CC and other Giants fans, we know kind of what this is. But let's be real clear about this. This is a window that a team has to win a Super Bowl, unlike any other window we've seen in the last 20 or 30 years in the NFL outside of two teams, the New England Patriots early on in Brady's career in the early 2000s and the Seattle Seahawks with Russell Wilson. There is not another team that is comparable to this team because if you look at it in comparison, I'm going to say that they are perfectly built. The key to winning games in the NFL is having a quarterback that outperforms his contract. So how do you outperform your contract? You either have to be insanely good like Patrick Mahomes or be paid insanely low numbers like, in this case, Brock Purdy, who on the broadcast last night on Prime, Al Michaels said – Makes 900000 and has a roommate. That's Purdy, not Al. <laughs> Al makes a lot more than that. I can tell you that much, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so 900000 So this team is built perfectly. And if you look at it in comparison to other teams, Patrick Mahomes, percentage of cap, 16.9. Josh Allen, 8.2. Joe Burrow, 8.6. All of those guys, in theory, can outperform their contracts, but their contract's pretty high. Brock Purdy makes 0.4% of the cap. In other words, the San Francisco 49ers have top half of the league quarterback play and are able to pay the rest of the team 99.6% of the money available to them, and they still have $41 million in cap room. They better win this year or next year. There is more pressure in my mind on them to win this year and next year because of the fact that they are built perfectly.
0: I hear you, and I understand what you're saying, but the cap space would tell a different story because it's not as if they got to spend it this year. They can roll over that cap space if need be and continue to add talent around their young quarterback. Now, I get it. you got to take advantage of having a quarterback on a rookie deal that gives you the kind of quarterback play that Brock brings to the table, but there are other teams that are under the gun more so than the 49ers to win because they don't have the luxury of paying their quarterbacks such a low market rate. Look at the Dallas Cowboys. Dak Prescott has a $60 million cap hit in 2024. The only way for them to get that down is to give him more money. And guess what? If you do that, that takes away from the pot of money that you have to pay CeeDee Lamb, to pay Michael Parsons. You got Tyron Smith, who was a $100 million tackle. You just paid Terrence Steele, your other tackle, $100 million. You gave Zach Martin more money. You got a Pro Bowl center in Tyler Biotis that you're going to have to take care of. You just paid Trayvon Diggs. You just paid other guys in your secondary. You you can't pay everybody top-of-the-market deals, and so if you're the Dallas Cowboys, you got a hell of a lot more urgency to win a championship because your window is so much smaller. You're not going to be able to afford to keep everybody once you get some of these other contracts taken care of. So while I do think the 49ers have bought themselves a three- or four-year window, if I'm looking at the Dallas Cowboys, it might be this year or bust because of their situation with the contracts.
3: Let me throw another team in the mix. What about the Miami Dolphins? This is a team that's certainly built to win now. We're saying that they're the class of the AFC. Two is on a four-year, 30-and-change, million-dollar contract. He's going to be in line for another payday if he continues to perform at the rate that he's performing. He leads the NFL 715 passing yards. We've seen how explosive this offense is. They have a sound defense. They have a head coach that knows how to utilize this offense who's so creative. The Dolphins haven't won in a long time, and I don't know how long their window is going to be. God... God willing that Tua stays healthy, but I want to throw the Dolphins out on the table, too, because I think they're in that conversation. I think
2: it's an interesting one. If you look at the teams with the most pressure on them, and Tua is the MVP favorite right now per Caesars, as wow. you see on Tua and You on the television side. But I think the Dolphins could be up there, but I don't think anybody's like the Niners. I, I, really, I think the team that has to win now, like if they don't win, I guess you look at it this way. If a team does not win over the next two years, the Super Bowl. Is it a disappointment? I would say the Niners are atop that list because they are built perfectly. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888 is the number for you to participate. Is there a team in the NFL that has to win a Super Bowl over the next two years, more so than the Niners? One other note on this. So Purdy this year is 889000 Next year is a million. The year after that in 25 is 1.1. 1. 1.
0: <laughs> Beautiful thing. He's going to want more. He's going to renegotiate,
2: etc. But that's why you have to take advantage of it. What the San Francisco 49ers have right now, so people understand this, is Russell Wilson in the early days with Seattle and Tom Brady in the early days with New England. That is not to say that Brock Purdy is Russell Wilson or Tom Brady, but that is to say the way the roster is constructed is perfect, is the dream of every franchise in this league. Now... A roster that took a hit the other day, Cleveland Browns. They have the injury to Nick Chubb. We know about that. He's out for the season. There was all kinds of debate as to whether or not it was a dirty hit by Minka Fitzpatrick. The safety. He spoke about that yesterday. Let's take a listen to what Minka had to say.
0: Physical game, people get hurt, and uh, people sit by on the screen and tell me how I should have done it or what they would have done, and they never play the game. If I tackle a guy like Nick Chubb high, he's running full speed downhill, and I'm stationary. I'm going to get run over and I'm going to get concussed, you know what I'm saying? And I know it's an offensive game and people want to see points and whatnot, but, you know, defensive players are people too, you know what I'm saying? And we got to protect ourselves. So when you're tackling big guys, you know, it's easier unless you take less of a breath on their body and their head when you go low. I'm chippy, I'm lazy, of course, but I'm not a nerdy player.
2: So after he said that, uh, ESPN NFL analyst Ryan Clark was on the 2 p.m. Eastern Sports Center. Shout out to my buddy, Matt Barry, um, and had this to say in reaction to the critics of Minka Fitzpatrick. To all of these people who think that what Minka Fitzpatrick did is dirty, you're dumb and you're soft, and you don't understand what it's like to be in that position. Well, Mika Fitzpatrick is going to make a tackle. He can't go through his mind, a guy is on his back. Maybe I shouldn't hit him. Maybe I should grab him up high. Maybe I should drag him down. Maybe I should let him get two more yards. It's not how it works. These are split-second car crashes. Period. That's what they are. And you make split-second decisions based on what your job is. And Mika Fitzpatrick's job is not to protect Nick Chubb. So, are you buying that it wasn't dirty?
0: Yeah, it wasn't dirty. That was a football play. Uh, uh, I mean, two things can be true. I cannot like the hit, and I can also acknowledge that it's a normal football play. Uh, I mean, I hate going at guys' knees because of what happened, the potential for that. I'm a defensive lineman. I used to hate when offensive linemen would try to cut block me. Smalls, I used to say it all the time. Dog, we lift all these weights during the offseason so you can cut block? You ain't got to lift all them weights to cut block. You ain't got to lift all those weights to tackle somebody low and to hit them in their knees. Yeah. But I also acknowledge that's a football play. Nick Chubb is 230 pounds coming downhill. Minka Fitzpatrick ain't got a snowball's chance in hell of tackling him up high. So in order to get his job done, he's got to take him low. It's unfortunate because Chubb was already engaged up high, and it, it, you know it just it was one of those hits where he had his leg planted and it was just a bang bang play. I, I don't like it, but I can also acknowledge that it was not dirty. It didn't look like it was malicious intent. It looked like Minka Fitzpatrick was trying to do his job.
3: Yeah, I was going to say I think that the key word here is intent. When you look at a dirty play, you you think does a person want to injure somebody? Are they trying to do something of that nature? And it didn't feel like that was the case with Minka Fitzpatrick.
2: No, not at all. And I think that I, I if I were a defensive player in today's day and age, I don't know where the hell I'm supposed to go. I can't go high, I can't go low. I mean, you got to go in the middle, which is where you're taught to go anyway. You cut him in half. Right. I mean, that's but it's hard when a guy's like the whole point is the running back's going to get low. He's not going to yeah. stand up straight. It's not going to be yeah. Eric Dickerson running the football standing up straight and running you over. Yeah. Right? I mean, they're taught to get low. That's a
0: deep cut. I like that. No, but
2: I mean, that's when you think of stand up running backs, he's yeah. the one you No, think no, no, of.
0: no, you're right. You're right. They're getting low, they're lowering their level. It's hard for you not to lower your level. And then of course, if it's a helmet to helmet hit in the open field, they're going to flag you as the defensive player for helmet to helmet. When it's really the op- offensive player that's using his helmet as a battering ram. So, yeah, it's hard for guys to play defense. But guess what? This is the National Football League. It's supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be hard. And and that's the part that's hard for people to process, the fact that this is a hard game, it's physically demanding, and things like that can happen that are unfortunate football plays. And when you have the context of Nick Chubb and having that same knee be injured in college, it makes you feel bad for him. But don't let your empathy take you so far as to call Minka Fitzpatrick a dirty player because he's just not.
2: 888-SAY-ESPN, 888 number to be a part of the show. We want to hear from you guys. Is there a team in the NFL that would waste their window more over the next two years if they don't win a Super Bowl in the San Francisco 49ers? Because it is right there in front of them. CC brings up the Cowboys. Smalls brings up the Miami Dolphins with Tua. As long as he's healthy, MVP favorite, it's right there for him. Coming up, we will dive deeper inside the NFL, and we will discuss an injury that happened yesterday and how deep that will hurt one team next on Sportsmanlike ESPN Radio.
1: This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It is
2: Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, ESPN2, ESPNU, SiriusXM Channel 80, ESPN app, and all of our great stations across the country. Along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. We are joined right now by ESPN NFL reporter Dan Graziano, who has the Saints and the Packers this weekend. He will be covering that game. But let's start with last night's game, Dan, first. I have made the argument all morning so far that there is not a team in the NFL that needs to capitalize on their Super Bowl window over the next two years, more so than the San Francisco 49ers, who pay their quarterback 0.4% of the salary cap. Is there a team that can even argue with them that they have more pressure on them to win over the next two years?
6: No, I think when you look at the, the dollars and cents involved, right? when you look at the salary cap situation... They, they, it's really, it's really this year <laughs> because they're going to have to make some tough choices on some guys after this year. I mean, Brandon Ayuku they didn't have last night, but obviously he's been a big part of things there. Trent Williams, the left tackle, who spent most of last night trying to get ejected for some reason, <laughs> uh, is 35 years old. Like there, 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 there are some. It, they're closer to the end of this window than I think a lot of people realize. And you're absolutely right. I mean, the, the fact that they have that kind of deal on Brock Purdy uh is a significant part of their ability to you know pay Nick Bosa, Debo Samuel, Trent Williams, Christian McCaffrey. You know what I mean? Like they're they loaded and uh they're loaded, they're well coached, they are experienced in 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 winning games. They're right there. It's it's uh it's it's their year I think to capitalize and what amazes me is like Kyle Shanahan's really next level in terms of offensive scheming. They've scored exactly 30 points in every game. I wonder if, <laughs>
7: like
6: if we get to the end of the year and they've had exactly 30 in every game, then we'll have to really say he's the best of all time. It's like think. our parking. Yeah. So, Dan, so,
0: Dan, the team that I argued against Evan with in terms of needing to have the most urgency to win now is the Dallas Cowboys because of the renegotiation potentially with Dak Prescott, the Micah Parsons contract, the CeeDee Lamb contract that have yet to be done. One of the contracts they did get done this preseason was <laughs> yeah. Trevon Diggs, and they lost him to an ACL injury yesterday in practice in one-on-ones. What can you tell us about the Cowboys his plans on replacing Trevon Diggs moving forward. Yeah, it's a tough loss
6: obviously. Get based on what they pay him, they value him very highly and it's not like oh we'll just replace him. That said, uh they are deep there at at cornerback, right? They they traded for Stefan Gilmore this offseason. They have Jordan Lewis who just came back last week after missing almost an entire year with a foot injury. So he's back playing now. Good timing on that for them. Uh Deron Bland, a player that had five interceptions for them last year. So I think my understanding is they're going to try it moving, because Bland's been playing the nickel, they'll try and move Lewis in there, and Bland on the outside, and obviously Gilmore on the other side, and they have some depth there. And, of course, they have that pass rush, which would make any secondary better. So it's a tough loss, but the reason you have depth in the NFL, and Chris, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, uh, is because stuff like this is inevitably going to happen like the, someone's gonna get, someone on the 49ers is going to get hurt of some significance right like like uh, someone on the Eagles so uh the cowboys feel like while obviously they would rather this had not happened uh, that on defense especially they are deep and strong enough to weather it and that they'll still be good
3: Dan, another team that's in that window to win is the Cincinnati Bengals, but so much of their success this season is lying in that calf of Joe Burrow, who's day-to-day right now with that injury. What can you tell us about the Bengals' plan to manage that injury, and do you think he's going to play this weekend?
6: It's tough. I think there are some encouraging signs coming from that building the last couple of days, but... He didn't do anything at practice yesterday. He went out there uh, and stood around, which I guess is a good sign, right? I mean, like, he, if he was was if he was, didn't think he had a shot to play, then he might be hiding inside. But, um, yeah, I was there Sunday at the game, uh, tough loss for them, and after the game they kept saying, well, we were 0-2 last year, we were fine. Uh, and they're right, but he was not hurt last year. And if he, this is a situation where he's going to have to manage this all year and worry about it all year... Because, I mean, like, he felt okay, and he played two games, and then he pulled it again. And everything we were told from the time he injured it in early in training camp is calf muscle is tricky, high risk of re-injury. You can feel totally fine for a week and then go out there and and do a game-related movement that that pulls it again, and now you're on the shelf for another couple weeks. They believe he needs rest. What does that mean? Does that mean he just doesn't practice all week, and then they try and play him Monday night? Does that mean he needs a game off, two games off? They don't have those answers, and that, I think, is a big part of the problem facing the Bengals right now. This could be an issue for them all year long, and, and uh, especially with the 0-2 start in division, it could be a very costly one.
2: It's on like here on ESPN Radio, talking with Dan Graziano, of course, ESPN NFL reporter. He'll be covering the Saints and the Packers, Sunday Countdown, etc., this weekend. Which embattled quarterback do you have more faith in this weekend, Justin Fields or Deshaun Watson?
6: Ooh.
7: I just made
2: Dan um. throw up. He just threw up.
6: Fields is playing the Chiefs, so I guess I'll go with Watson.
2: <laughs> Vote of confidence right there. Yeah, well,
6: matchup wise, right? I mean, I mean, Watson, I, the, the Titans have, have given up some passing yards. I mean, if, if, Watson should be able to get right against that defense, so. I guess I have more confidence that he'll play well than Fields this weekend. But that's not based on anything I've seen from Deshaun Watson. That's just based on who, the, who they're playing.
0: Dan, we got an interesting matchup in D.C. between the Bills and the Commanders. Washington with the chance to start 3-0. and The last time that yeah. franchise started 3-0 and was 2005, which was the last time they won a playoff game. From your perspective, will this game tell us more about the Commanders or the Bills?
6: I think commanders, I think we know what the Bills are, right? I mean, I, I, they they're, I, I, they shouldn't have lost week one. Obviously, they have themselves to blame for that. Looked a lot better last week, and they probably should handle Washington. But, um, you yeah, know, I think if they were to lose and they're 1-2, and two, that's obviously not good for them. But you still feel like, based on what they've done the last, whatever, half decade, uh, that they're good enough to recover from that. If, if Washington wins the game, then boy, oh boy, 3-0 and and a real contender in the NFC— I think that's something a lot of people didn't see coming. Curious, is, I mean, Washington has those edge guys. I mean, I think uh, Sweat has three sacks already, and Chase Young had one and a half. And only played one game, so you know they, they might be able to dictate the action up front and and get Josh Allen off his game, force him into some turnovers. And if that happens, yeah, I think that tells you that Washington's to be to be contended with, no doubt about it.
3: Dan, the Chargers out to an O and two start. We know that Brandon Staley is on the hot seat. Where does this have to go? how what are the depths that this has to get to with the Chargers this season before you think they make a move with their head coach?
6: Well, Michelle, I, I certainly think that if they were to miss the playoffs that, that you'd have to keep your eye on that, right? Like I, I think that's my, I don't I don't feel like the Chargers are the kind of organization that's gonna do something in season uh but i think you know certainly that's a situation we're watching if it goes badly that's the game right like chargers vikings that's like the highest stakes game of the whole week the losers toast and i think it's, it's two teams that both expected to be made to be playoff teams this year so uh yeah i think that's that that's important but i don't i don't get it i, I just don't get it like the chargers there's the roster's so good the quarterback's so good like that's going to be one if they have a disappointing year and they do make a move on the head coach. Like I think a lot of people just sort of say, "Well, sure." I mean, they should have been better than that. That that that's the kind of it's the kind of situation that gets a coach fired. So yeah, they need this one. They they can't start zero and three.
2: Well, now Dan has my mind wandering because he brought up toast, and now I'm thinking about rye toast. Rye toast, the best toast, right? Dan, would you agree with that? Oh, Rye's
6: terrible. Rye's terrible. terrible. No, no, I think he's. I think he's got a point there. I, I think. Why are you looking at why, him like that, Cece? Uh, no, because you're the only one that thought that quite Dan literally and I, in this
2: building. Dan and I like rye toast. We're you now united, united on rye toast. We're
6: in. We're in New York City, man. Like you can order any food you want, and it'll be here in ten minutes. Like there's no need for you to be in there hungry. It's a great point.
2: You brought up toast, Dan. <laughs> the Chargers that's a, that's and the That's a great life. point. You
6: had breakfast. <laughs> ESPN
2: NFL reporter will be covering the Saints and the Packers this weekend. Does a phenomenal job every single time we have him. Every time you watch him on Get Up and every other show, Dan. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. My pleasure. All right, we'll, we'll get more rye toast coming up. What would you? What's the number one toast for you? If you had uh, to get a toast like with your eggs or whatever. I don't
3: know. Oh, you sourdough know, easily.
0: Sourdough easily. That's a, that's a great pick.
3: With a little butter, a little that's jelly. A great pick. Chef's gift. Yeah, a Little
0: pumpernickel. I like pumpernickel. Pumpernickel. Rye. Marble, rye. Rye. Marble, Marble rye. Marble rye. Marble rye is pretty good. Now that's pretty good. Now now now, now Marble we're here. Marble rye. Rye. Now we're here. Marble <laughs> rye. There you go. Little ebony and ivory. There we
2: go. Coming up, a Ravens player said what? About an icon? We'll get to that next on Sportsman Like ESPN Radio.
0: For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or
8: just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelphelp.com slash unsportsmanlike.
1: This is the Unsportsmanlike Podcast on ESPN Radio. What's What's up? This is four days first down.
2: Yes, it is unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio. We go four downs, four questions around the NFL. Let me just clarify one thing. Smalls and I had a big debate during the break here. Low Bosworth, more known for the Hills or Laguna Beach. I say Laguna, you say the Hills. I know Canty was fighting uh, both ways on that, really. But- I am completely <laughs>
0: unfamiliar with the work of the people that you speak of. Sorry,
3: sir. <laughs> I don't know what you call it, work. <laughs> yeah. Well, Low Bosworth,
2: more of the Hills or Laguna. All right, let's go. First down. Now, this is interesting. Ravens cornerback Marlon Humphrey on the punchline podcast with marlon humphrey had this to say about bill belichick
0: is belichick elite or is tom brady elite that's the million dollar question it's looking more like brady i don't know if belichick was ever daggum dirty like if this year still goes down it's like is that three that's been losing seasons Mm -hmm. it's looking like some people are getting washed
2: okay this drives me insane simply because tom brady would tell you that bill belichick is elite Why don't we in life, when people are together like this for so long, ever want to put the and between their names and we only want to put the versus? Why does it have to be Shaq versus Kobe? Michael versus, well, Michael versus Scotty may be a bad example.
0: Because Scotty made it out. You you get what I'm saying. Why
2: can't it just be Brady and Belichick? You know what they do, guys? They make each other better.
0: Yeah, but uh, here's the thing. Belichick was a great coach before Tom Brady even came around. Belichick might have been a great coach before Tom Brady was even born. Like, Like, some of the best work that Belichick has done has probably been before Marlon Humphrey was a twinkle in his daddy's eye. Like, I mean, just think about it. He's one of the greatest defensive game planners that we've ever seen. He's won titles as a defensive game planner before Marlon Humphrey was even born. Like, this dude is a mastermind. He was in the league since 1975 as an assistant coach with the then Baltimore Colts. This guy quite literally has more answers than any other coach because he's seen more football than any other coach. Now, maybe he has an issue relating to this generation of players, which is a real thing because he's in his early 70s and most head coaches are in their mid-50s. But to say that Bill Belichick is not an elite coach is just asinine. I hate the Patriots, as much as anybody does. But I got to give credit where credit is due. Bill Belichick is one of the greatest coaches of all time. Is Don Shula not a great coach because he had Dan Marino?
3: Is Phil Jackson not a great coach because he had Michael? Exactly. It's ridiculous. But I will say, it hasn't looked good for BB in the wake of the Tom Brady-Bill Belichick divorce. But that does not mean that we just wash away everything that they did together and everything that he has earned prior to that. And I still think that he's got a lot left in the tank. I know we're ready to write him off and wish him well into the sunset, but I still think Bill Belichick's got see, it. See,
0: I was there with you until you said that last part. You just took it a little too far. You, you think it's nah, over? Nah, I think it's over. I think it's over. Fat lady's warming up, warming up her voice, getting ready. She's doing the do-re-me. It, it's a wrap. Yeah, after Sunday, she's going to have laryngitis.
2: Okay? okay. All right, we'll uh, see. Right. We'll see. By the way, just <laughs> to back up Cece on his initial point, Bill Belichick's Super Bowl, Super Bowl twenty five game plan as a Giants' against the, coordinator <laughs> against the Bills is in the it's Hall amazing. of Fame. His game it's amazing. plan <laughs>
0: is in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, Thurman Thomas, you go ahead and do your thing, bro. You go ahead and do your Two thing. Two defensive we gonna linemen. We're gonna play this nickel defense. You do your thing. <laughs>
2: yeah, but no, nah, he's not good. All right, second down. <laughs>
1: second down.
0: Falcons
2: at Lions, 1 p.m. Eastern Sunday. Can Jared Goff actually lead the Lions to an NFC North title?
0: Yeah, he can, but the defense has got to come to the party. You're not going to go very far if your defense is giving up 29 points a game, which is exactly where the Lions' defense is through the first two weeks. Now, here's the deal. They played a lot better in the second half of 2022, but it feels like it was Jekyll and Hyde from what we saw from them in week one against the Kansas City Chiefs versus what we saw in week two against the Seattle Seahawks. So that defense is going to have to be a lot better if the Lions are going to win the North Division title
3: how much of what we think about Jared Goff and the Lions chances have to do not only with just Jared Goff and the balanced offense that we've seen from the Lions but the way things are playing out within the division don't you feel much better about the Lions now after the Vikings are getting off to this start we're seeing what's happening with the Bears there's questions about the Packers
0: no no (laughs) No. I mean, the the last time the Lions won the division was, what, 1991? And, again, their defense has got to be better. And it's not going to be easy with C.J. Gardner-Johnson potentially missing the rest of the season. So, yeah, I don't don't think so. I'm just going to go, no. There you go. Third down. No.
1: Third down.
2: All right, Saints and Packers. Dan Graziano is going to be there as he just joined us. If you missed any of that, go back on the ESPN app. Listen to our podcast. We break down toast. Uh, how much of a believer would you be if the Saints actually started the season 3-0? and Yes or mm, no?
0: believer or I'm, not? A, I'm a believer in them because of the division that they play in so by default I trust the Saints just because I don't trust Baker Mayfield in the Bucks I don't trust Desmond Ritter in the Falcons and who can trust what the Carolina Panthers are doing they're starting Andy Dalton against Seattle this weekend instead of Bryce Young so I, I like Derek Carr because of the good skill position core that he has around him Mikey Thomas is finally back healthy he's got Chris Olave he's got Juwan Johnson the tight end and guess what after this week, he gets back Alvin Kamara, who's coming back from suspension. And, oh, by the way, they have a top five defense in yards and points through the first two weeks. So, I trust the New Orleans Saints by default because of the division that they play in. So,
3: yes, in on them or mm, no? Nope. I'm going to give them the old CC. Mm, no. Nope. <laughs> Impressive start, and I thought that they were the favorites to win that division. But if they go 3-0, and they've beaten the Titans, the Panthers, and the Packers. That doesn't really... And all still three may not of,
2: make the playoffs.
3: And still a lot of confidence in me. I certainly think they're a playoff team. I'm not ready to put them in the same category as the San Francisco 49ers or the Dallas Cowboys as far as Super Bowl contenders in the NFC. It's
2: four downs here on, on Sportsman like on ESPN Radio. And four downs brought to you by Geico. Switch to Geico today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. It's simple. Go to geico.com to get a rate quote and get started seeing how much you could save with Geico. Time now for fourth down. Mm, yes.
1: Fourth down.
2: All right, fourth down, Titans at Browns. You believer in Kevin Stefanski? So big question on ESPN Cleveland over the last couple of days. Next level, Gerard Cherry, Emmett Golden, really big show.
0: Aaron and Riz. I mean, how can you be a believer in Kevin Stefanski? Both his team and his quarterbacks have regressed since he took the job. And here's the thing. Don't throw the year one success that he had in winning a playoff game in my face because it's easy to have a successful year one when teams don't have film on your scheme with the personnel that you have on a new team. When you get to really learn about a coach is in year two, year three, what they're capable of being able to do. And we're actually going to find out what Kevin Stefanski is capable of doing in terms of shifting and pivoting his offense now that he loses all-pro running back Nick Chubb, like you're going to be defined by how you reinvent this offense around Deshaun Watson and what kind of productivity that side of the ball can have. You're an offensive mind. Now it's time to put those muscles to work and have the offensive success lead to team success. I want to see it. You got the defense coming to the party. This is all on the offense. Deshaun Watson, Kevin Stefanski, I'm not a believer in them yet, but they can turn me into a believer based on what they do over the next 15 games.
2: So basically what you're saying, with Kevin Stefanski. Are you a believer?
3: Mm, No.
2: That part. part.
3: He he is an offensive mind. He can only dial up so many creative things, but he needs Deshaun Watson to be able to execute them, and that's why I I don't really know where to – draw that line of demarcation with how much I believe in him because I don't believe in Deshaun Watson to be able to go out there and be the guy that's going to elevate this offense with Nick Chubb's absence. So they're they're unfortunately tied together.
0: No, and and I'm with you on that one, but he had Baker Mayfield. Now he's got Deshaun Watson. At what point can you make it work with the quarterback? At some point, like Baker Mayfield's best year was his first year with you, and then Baker Mayfield got progressively worse. No, no no, pun intended with there the progressing commercials. Yeah,
3: it's a pretty good but, one. But, good but
0: one. Deshaun Watson, now, year two with you, he, he looks worse. A- at some point, we got to stop pointing to the quarterback and point to the, co- the guy that's coaching the quarterback. That would be Kevin Stefanski.
2: So what's interesting is you could apply this same debate to a lot of teams across the league, the who do you blame, coach or quarterback. So what you're saying here is this case you're blaming more the coach and Stefanski, yeah. in the case of Denver – I know that you're blaming more the quarterback than the coach when it comes to Russell Wilson versus Sean Payton and we could play this, you know, in New York with the Giants. I think you've been on Daniel Jones more than dayball as the issue here. In Buffalo, it's you you've blamed that dayball's not there as the it's it's interesting how that quarterback coach argument can be applied differently to different teams across the league.
0: There's no doubt about it, but when I give coaches the benefit of the doubt, it's because I've seen it before with another quarterback. Like with Sean Payton's case, I've seen it with Drew Brees. With right. Brian Dable's case, I've seen it with Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that that as, as a, a coordinator. A, yeah, As a coordinator, but yeah. that's what I'm saying. Well, I actually saw it with Daniel Jones and cutting down on the turnovers in year one. Good point. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I've seen it with them. That's why I give them the benefit of the doubt. We haven't seen it with Kevin Stefanski which is why I don't give him the benefit of the doubt. We haven't seen it with Ken Dorsey, which is why I don't give him the OC of the Buffalo Bills the benefit of the doubt. We are seeing it with Eric Bieniemy with Sam Howell in Washington.
2: That's true. That's true. Same. Early, but not a good sample size in terms of their opposition because they've played bad teams so far. All right, coming up. CC has somebody as the MVP of the league. He was talking about playing the other side of the ball. Now could he potentially play a different position? We'll get to that next. It's like on ESPN Radio.
5: must be 21 plus and present in select states gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER terms and conditions apply see app for details
1: this is the unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN radio
2: Sorry, I got lost, bobbing my head there. <laughs> on Sportsman Live, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, ESPN2, ESPNU, SiriusXM80, and the ESPN app, as well as all of our great stations across the country. We're going to talk to you guys on the phones at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888 in just a couple of minutes here, on the Super Bowl window. Who has the best chance in the shortest amount of time? Because I would say the San Francisco 49ers, with 0.4% of the cap spent on a quarterback, they better win now. The ultimate win-now team for me that has pressure on them to win now would be the San Francisco 49ers, more than maybe any other team in terms of this window this year. CC's putting that on the Cowboys. Smalls is putting that on the Dolphins as well. But let's talk about the Cowboys. You think Michael Parsons has a chance at the MVP? You love his versatility? Well, now, unfortunately, Trayvon Diggs, their corner is out for the season with a torn ACL you want to flow it out there put Micah in coverage what do you want to do here they, with this? they might have to
0: but <laughs> hey, we got to throw Michael Parsons in there and sub packages playing the nickel or um, you know covering those slot receivers and rerouting those guys we might have to do that like he, he might have to be a part of a three safety package I don't know but I would say this they're going to have to find ways to overcome the Trayvon Diggs loss because this is a guy over the last three years that has held opposing quarterbacks to the lowest passer rating of any defensive back in all of football. This is a ball hawk. He is tied with interceptions, for the most interceptions, with J.C. Jackson since he's come into the league. So this is a special talent that they're losing on the back end in Trevon Diggs. i got to ask
2: you a question about this because I've always wondered this. I always thought that when interception numbers for cornerbacks were high, it actually meant they weren't that good. Because it meant the team kept throwing at them. Like, if you look at Revis's numbers over the course of time, the interception numbers are not that high. That they just basically say, we're, Dion, right? Like, we're not throwing to that side of the field. At times, if a cornerback's numbers are high on the
0: interception, does that mean they're actually not that good? No, that's not true. It means they probably take a lot of chances. Okay. and that was the thing with Trevon Diggs a couple of years ago when he had, I think, 11 interceptions, and he had one in the first seven games that he played in. He had seven straight games where he had a pick. But I think you've seen more consistency in his game, and I think that's what takes it to the next level for him in terms of the boomer bust potential. It's a lot less bust now while you're still getting the upside solid production and the ball-hawking skills. Now, We all know that Russian coverage work together, and there is no better pass rush than the Dallas Cowboys. They quite literally lead the league in pass rush win rate and in sacks. So I think that's the way to offset the production you get on the back end with Trevon Diggs by being able to make sure you turn up the pass rush with Micah Parsons and company. The more pressure you put on the quarterback up front, the easier it makes the job of the guys on the back end. So as long as that Cowboys secondary doesn't allow a lot of quick catch and run opportunities for big plays – I think they'll be fine because quarterbacks more often than not are not going to have the time to allow downfield routes to develop because that pass rush for the Dallas Cowboys is hunting.
3: So you don't think this is going to impact their chances that much, is what you're saying?
0: I still think they have an opportunity to be a championship defense. I, I don't know that they're going to be an all time great defense. Um, you know, we're not going to mention them with the '85 Bears or or the '70 Steel Curtain or this you know, year's Jets or per the, the Jets or the, or the 2000 or the 2000 Ravens. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? It's not going to be that kind of party. I thought with Trayvon Diggs, they had that potential, but it'll still be a defense that's good enough to lead a team to a championship because they have the best defensive player in all of football in Michael Parsons. I just had to take the subtle shots to the Jets because as you're
2: l- r- rattling off all those great defenses, it's amazing. Yeah. They thought, hey, we're going to be like that this year. Yeah. Down. But, but here's place?
0: the thing, though. I-, <laughs> I wanted to ask you this question, though. Yeah. Now that Trevon Diggs is gone, if we don't see any drop-off in the Dallas Cowboys defense, does that bolster Michael Parsons' MVP case?
2: No, it just means Dak is dominating on offense, and okay. so you got to give the quarterback credit somehow for making up <laughs> for the <laughs> cornerback. <laughs> yes, I just twisted it that way. You did. Eight that eight, eight ESPN, 888 ESPN. Eight, eight, the team right now that is in the must-win in this window, more so than the Niners. Is there anyone? They are so perfectly built. Who has to win this year more so than the Niners? Steve in Michigan listening on SiriusXM Channel 80. What's up, Steve?
7: Hey, good morning, guys. Morning. Uh, thanks for having me on. I listen every morning. I love the show. Thank you. Um, you got to hear me out for a second. Um, the Detroit Lions, listen, I've been. they've had one playoff win in their history, one. Okay, if they The nucleus that they have this year If they don't pull something off In the next couple of years I'm 44 years old I might not see it By the time they put dirt over my over my body Because this is the best nucleus I've seen Since probably the 91 season If they don't pull something off In the next couple of years I don't know if I'm ever going to see it
3: Steve, I hear it in your voice You're almost afraid to think That the, the best could possibly happen
7: <laughs> Yeah I am. <laughs> I've been. They've been breaking my heart for forty-four <laughs> years, but one playoff win and one playoff win in my life, and but I but I see the nucleus. I I think there's a possibility. You know, I'm, I'm holding on to hope.
2: Well, what's interesting about and thanks for the call. What's interesting about Perceived. the Lions if they don't win it this year? Which it's not really a bold statement if they don't win it this right. year. Right? <laughs> <laughs> what or for the last fifty. Forever, actually. Yeah, exactly, they don't win exactly. it this year, right? Forever with the Lions. Next year, Jared Goff makes thirty one point six million. His dead cap is five million, meaning they save basically, let's call it $25, twenty five, twenty six million just by waiving him. Hmm. That that has restructure written all over it, right? Mm-hmm. The lower the cap hit, or else we're gonna release you and you're not gonna necessarily have a job here, whatever it is. But yeah, I think their window is probably two years more than just this year. Right? If I had to look at them, I think their window is two years because they are paying a quarterback already, so they've accounted for that. I just think that the Niners are the team right now that if they don't take advantage of this Russell Wilson early years with Seattle, Tom Brady early years with New England, they're in big trouble. They are in big, big trouble because you don't get opportunities like this in the NFL.
3: Well, and the 49ers have been knocking on the door for quite some time.
2: Yes.
7: Yeah, and, exactly. And
3: the Lions are a team that are in the ascent category. You know, So if they aren't able to get it done this year, which I think we all agree is probably unlikely. I don't think the disappointment will be the same because the expectations are not Yeah, they
0: didn't come into the season with championship aspirations. They they wanted to get to the playoffs. They thought they could win the NFC North because Aaron Rodgers is now out of the division. But it's a completely different conversation with the 49ers, with the Philadelphia Eagles, with the Dallas Cowboys. But then, Smalls, I think you brought up an interesting point with the Miami Dolphins. I mean, the AFC is not as strong as we thought it once was. The AFC East – Every single team has a question mark. I mean, the, the, the Bills with Josh Allen and the turnovers, the New York Jets, of course, Aaron Rodgers in their quarterback situation, the New England Patriots. I, I just I, I look at the Miami Dolphins as having a tailor-made opportunity to make a deep playoff run. The same with the Baltimore Ravens. The, what their defense has been since Roquan Smith got there in Week 9 last year, they're number one in red zone efficiency, number two in points allowed, and number three in defensive efficiency overall. Now you couple that with Lamar Jackson learning this new offense and doing his thing. All of a sudden, you can make an argument that they need to have urgency about being able to get this thing done before Lamar's cap hits get out of whack with the new contract, especially with the Kansas City Chiefs looking like they're vulnerable in the early going. So and the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow and his health. So I mean, there, there are some teams that have opportunities in front of them because of how the season has unfolded in the early going that need to have urgency about being able to capitalize on this window of 2023.
2: Well, that window includes the San Francisco 49ers, and coming up, did we see anything that would concern us about Brock Purdy last night? We will get to that next on Sportsmanlike ESPN
1: Radio. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on SiriusXM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan and Canty and Michelle.